So today we have Sean on the podcast, and I met Sean about almost five years ago when I taught her son, who is her older child, in his twos class, and then Annabelle had you know Sean. I know Sean because I had her daughter this year in my threes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how we know Sean. So welcome. Thank you. Um, so we wanted to start off by talking about um, the fact that you have two kids and your oldest one has developmental variations and we wanted to know if you could share a little bit, a little bit about his early years leading up to his diagnosis. Sure. So Ryder, um, Ryder was born. Everything seemed okay. It was pretty like, you know, what was supposed to happen. I'd say it was getting closer to the age of one where there were things he wouldn't do, like he wouldn't really imitate. And it was more of a, a kind of like alarm to me because I was like a stay at home mom and I was very involved and I had friends that already had kids and I'm like, mm, something's weird. Um, pediatrician wasn't overly alarmed. He's like, you know, you could be delayed. Let's just watch it. So time passed. He was one. Um, but then, and he's, oh, his babbling, this is important. His babbling was always on point. He was hitting all those signs, like sounds correctly. Everything was like fine there. But producing words or waving and all those things just never came. Fast forward, we're getting closer to his two year and our pediatrician said, okay, I think it's time. We've given it enough. You know, I, I just want you. He really pushed the fact that he said, I think it's time to look into early intervention. He said, I want to get you into the system in the state of New York. He said, because regardless of what will happen, what won't be, it needs to be there. Fine. My husband, and I kind of panicked and we immediately asked around and we got a private speech therapist for Ryder. Um, Ryder wasn't saying anything at this point too. Um, his speech therapist came in and she's like, you know, I have to get him talking first to see kind of where we're at. Um, at that point, um, oh, I also was pregnant with my daughter. So there was a lot going on there um, that I think that it, it was just hard to like balance at all. And, but it, it was apparent he just wasn't, like, he wasn't, oh, also, I'm sorry, I forgot to mention, you couldn't tell him, like, anything. So, like, no receptive language. None, no receptive and really no, no expressive. expressive. But the receptive was, was, like, scary. For example, when I came to school and I was trying to get him accepted, it's like he couldn't follow any direction of get a block or anything. So, our, so the speech therapist came in, we had him evaluated with EI, and they actually, it was a pretty bad day. These people came into my house and were basically like, oh, he's not understanding anything and he's autistic. And that kind of like threw me for a loop. I was like, I was just doing what the doctor How said. Was he? he was just turned two when he could get early intervention. And they threw that around. These people, it was right before, I'll never forget, it was right before the holidays. My husband and I were crushed. We're like, what's going on? They shouldn't have done that. Fine. But we get him in the system. I get all that. The speech therapist came in and immediately started working with him. She said, she's not alarmist. She's very seasoned. She's been doing this for a long time. She's like, I got to get him talking. She started getting some sounds out of him. It was progressing. After I'd say about six months, she got him making sounds. And that's when she made the diagnosis of apraxia. She's like, it's pretty typical. So with, with him, what he was doing was he was dropping the first part of the word and putting it on the end. And it just, you couldn't understand it. Fast forward, she was working, he was making progress. He started saying words, the, but the receptive was not there at all. Like there was nothing there. Um, as he was approaching three, our speech therapist and our pediatrician said, okay, I think it's time. We need to go to a developmental pediatrician. Did that. 
That was a year later. That, so we took him, amazing developmental pediatrician. I will never forget the day. Um, he was actually already in the twos with you, Andy. And um, it was over the winter break. And we got in with um, Dr. Hugh Basis, who I cannot recommend enough. He's incredible. Um, went and he did pretty much, you know, we went in and Ryder basically was doing like Ryder things. He was lining up the trucks or he was becoming really obsessive and he wouldn't, but like sitting through a test, he wasn't understanding. I kind of knew what, what was going to be. My husband, I think was a little bit more in, I don't want to say denial, but it was just kind of like putting it all together. I'm like, I think something's up. Um, Dr. Bases looked at me and he was so kind. He just said, oh, he said, he just said, um, I think we're, we're dealing with, I think he, you know, he's on the spectrum and I'm like, it's autism. He goes, are you familiar with it? And I, I basically broke down and, you know, and at the time, you know, it's every parent's worst nightmare hearing those words. And now where I am today, I'm in a totally different, different place, but it's scary because when you hear those words, and I think for my husband too, you automatically go to like the movie Rain Man or like this horrible, you know, terrible thing because it's not what it is. We were crushed. And, um, he was diagnosed on the spectrum on, on top of anapraxia. So it was a double whammy. And I kind of just like, from that day on, I'm like, okay, this is what we need to do. And you do it and you fight and this is my role. But you know, that's where, where we were at. And you know, now, I mean, he's five, he's going to be six where it's a totally different place. And everyone told me we'd be in a different place than we were. We are, it's hard, but um, that's kind of like what happened. It was just these like red flags that he was different. He was different than the typical kid, and it, and I knew it. Yeah, yeah. Early on, early on. Yeah, yeah. I think as a as a parent or as a mom, especially I was a stay at home mom, so I would sit there and I I say you know I I I try to build blocks and I'd want him to imitate me, but he'd always go back. He wasn't the child that would sit there. You know, they typically say like, oh, does he watch like the propeller on a plane or is he like he didn't really do that, but it's like he just it, it was very he was very different. He was different. And that's kind of where we were at. And, uh, yeah, that's what happens. Yeah. Can we just talk a minute about that apraxia diagnosis? Yeah. So that's one that he still carries. He still. And can you talk a little about the difference between what it's like to be diagnosed with ASD or on the spectrum and apraxia? Yes. So you can have apraxia being on the spectrum or not being on the spectrum. Um, Or you could be on the spectrum. And it is common to have apraxia, which is awful because it's two diagnosis. It's, it's, it's apraxia can be fixed. It's, it's all about repetition and practice and practice and practice. It's basically murder planning. And, um, he, the challenges and, and, and it's funny as he's gotten older, I see it for him to make certain sounds or even motions with like his mouth. It's a workout. It's exhausting. And you know, it's just, it's a lot of work. So, um, with speech therapy, it was like a double whammy. It's, do you treat the apraxia first or do you treat the ASD portion first, which is totally different. So like, are you focusing on his oral motor or are you focusing more on his expressive and receptive language? Exactly. So it's kind of like, and you can't, and with speech, we've learned the apraxia. Yes, you could get him to do the repetition, but the ASD side of it, you can't make somebody want to talk. You can't turn on a light and say, you need to do this. It's if the want is there. So she was really um, heavily focusing on the apraxia. And, and I saw, and, and it was working and it, it still is. And it's repetition and the sounds. And it's so interesting with how you go about it. Like I get blown away even having like, these conversations with the speech therapist and it's helped a lot with that. 
we came to the kind of like the idea of, you know, I think it's time to do ABA with it to address the receptive portion and expressive along with the apraxia work. So we started ABA. That was a game changer. Game changer with Ryder. Um, it, it really did. It, it helped in every which way. And it only really helped the apraxia portion because it got him talking more. And that's what you need. So, yeah, you know, that's that's apraxia. You can get rid of that diagnosis. That can go away. The ASD will be with him forever. That's the main, that's the main difference between them. How was it finding a speech therapist? Did you have help finding one? Was it all on you? Um, that we really lucked out with this. So my husband, I mean, they're everywhere. You could get them, but it's all about one thing too, with the therapy, you have to mesh, you have to mesh. They become part of your family. Um, my husband, he, um, my husband is a very bad back and he's been with, um, his acupuncturist forever, like saved him. He's very like holistic and all these treatments he shared with, he's very smart. Um, he shared with him, I think like a year in advance before we were ready, you know, our son was having a hard time speaking and blah, blah, blah. And he told him, he said, if you're ever ready and you need one, he was, I have the best of the best. So finally he said to him, he's like, I think it's time. He put us in contact with her. She's incredible. She's the best. And that's how we got her. And she wasn't even taking on really new clients. She came to the house, swooped in and just, she's amazing. And she's been with us since he was two years old. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, she's great. And just to attest how much language is it has now. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> like night and day. Yeah. And yeah. Andy, you know, like yeah. when you first, it was, it was hard. Yeah, it was hard. He, he was, you know, learning how to communicate with the teachers and with yeah. the new friends. And it was also a relatively large class for his first it year. It was like, I think 12, minimum maybe. 12. Yeah, kids. yeah, something like that. But to watch his growth from his twos to now has yeah. just been incredible. I mean, the language he has, receptive, expressive, it, it's just amazing. It's a different little boy. Yeah. 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 It still isn't. It's still scary for a parent because you always want, you know, but I love, what I love hearing is when people don't see him for a long time. Like even with COVID, like our parents, his grandparents, like everyone hasn't really seen him. And then it's like out of nowhere, you'll be like, oh my God, he's like this different little boy because the progress is like, I'm watching it every day. Yeah. You know, but yeah, uh huh. It's interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> yeah. So just backtracking a little bit. So you put Ryder in school at two. I did. So what was important for you to look for when you were seeking an early childhood program? Like, what was, like, did you want it to be more play based? Like, yeah. what was your. Sure. So, first and foremost, the socialization. I'm like, you have to go. You have to be with your peers and you have to be immersed in this because, again, I was pregnant. Also, back up, my kids are 21 months apart. So, I had them quick. So, Ryder, really, I mean, I found out I was pregnant when he was not even one years old. Or, I'm sorry, he was one and like three weeks old. So he was alone with me the whole time. I'm like, you've got to go. And then I knew for him, play-based is where it had to be. I didn't want, you know, I knew right off the bat, I'm like, Montessori would never be right for this child. Like he's not, you know, he needs to be more led, but it needs to be exciting and play-based. And so when I was looking at the schools, I kind of knew when I would go in. And I also, as a parent of a special needs child, the hardest part for me, especially as a new parent, and, and I, if this gets out to anybody, just my heart goes out to you because you're almost, you're never embarrassed of your child ever. 
but you, you have this idea when you get pregnant and you have a child. And so when you start going to schools and especially in New York city and you have to go to these auditions almost and, and, you know, all these things and you watch these other parents with their kids and it's so easy. Um, and it's so hurtful and you're so nervous and you're like, I don't want my child to look different. And you're, you don't want to talk about it and you feel very, very isolated and very alone. So I also, when I went into these schools, I needed to feel comfortable. That was also, and for him, I wanted him to feel safe and not bad. And I knew with like play, it could be better. Yeah. 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 So that's what I was, you know, really looking for. And it, can you share a little bit about how you felt when, as you said, it is kind of like an audition. When it you, is. When yeah. you have to go. <laughs> oh, yeah. You meet the school first and you talk to the administration. And then a lot of private schools nowadays have um, the play sessions where you have to mm-hmm. bring your child. You have to play in front of these people who are going to kind of make the decision whether yeah. they let your child attend their school or not. Can you share the feelings about that experience? It was awful. <laughs> um, yeah, so you go in, you go to these groups, and I, I uh, my husband and I narrowed it down to three schools within our area. Um, so let's be honest, you want to be close, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> with a stroller. With, with a way. stroller. Yeah. And actually, I was, yeah. And pregnant. <laughs> I, I was pregnant during the auditions. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's, it's definitely hard. I think out of the three, um, two were easier than the third. Um, you know, it's hard because you go in and you're with your child and obviously, and you're in a room and you get thrown with anybody and like, even, even a typical child, everyone's all over as far as like where they're at. But you go in, it was very hard. There was circle time and I was very scared of circle time because he has a big problem like staying and regulation at the time was all over. And every single audition, there was a circle time portion where you would sing and listen, and my child was the one, like, doing laps around the room, and I'm just, like, oh, my God. I literally was, like, sweating, and it was, like, I was, like, holding him. I'm, like, oh, my God. And it was, like, scary, and, and you know, we had a few sunny moments, but in one of the auditions, um, the director came up to me and was, like, oh, um, is he working on speech? And I'm, like, okay, you know, and I'm, like, you know, we are, we have a speech therapist, and she said, she's, like, oh, that's great, you know, and... So that just like, I left crushed and I just, I called my husband, I was crying and I'm like, she knew I obviously, cause he wasn't like that. And, and it is very hard, but I also have to say about this whole audition process. I think it is absolutely ridiculous. It's a 30 minute session of a child walking in with all these kids. It's like mayhem and it's not, it's not right. It's not right. I, I stand by that. And, my, and I have both my kids in private preschool. I think it's ridiculous. Yeah. I do. Yeah. The whole process. We do too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I had to do many play sessions yeah. for the school that we went to, and I felt that it was really nice meeting the children, and it was really nice talking to the parents, but it is a very short amount of time. Very. And it's very hard for a child who might not be extremely comfortable to come mm-hmm. in and stay away from the parents. And it's and I can't speak for parents, but it must be hard to, like, say, okay, kid, go go, go over there. For stop, sure. Stop right. clinging to me. For sure. Also, and of course, they're going to. They're two years old. They're right. babies. They're babies. So, like, right. They're, and, but on the flip side, having this play session would be an amazing opportunity after you know your child's going there. Like, to have them yes. come in and yes. be able to meet some other parents and, and for them for to, the like, parents. get a little bit familiar with this. I agree. Like, 
yeah, just the, it's the it's, timing and the pressure that's put on it. It's just it's incredibly unnecessary because a child so. could be having a bad day. Like we, I will go oh, work yeah. and I'm yeah. in a terrible mood sometimes. Like right, but you're there and you got to do it. And for a child, they're not going to put on face and perform. Right? No, it's and, yeah. As an educator, it's really hard also to hear that like parents are leaving crying and now terrified. Is my kid going to get into this school? And it's, oh, it's uh, horrifying. You know, after these meetings, we talk about the children and we share the things that we notice, but it's not an accurate depiction of that child or those parents because everyone is just, their stress level is so high. So high. And then you have, and, and again, it's not, and I'm not even saying, oh, because this school's worse than the other or this one. It's every school in New York City. So it literally, everyone's doing what you're supposed, you have to do in this city. Um, so it's not like, and I will say all the three PlayStations playstations please sessions i went to they all were equally the exact same felt the same way stressful or not it's just what it is in new york city but my problem with it is so i i moved to new york city after college i'm originally from cleveland ohio went to college um university of cincinnati in ohio i'm like a midwest girl moved to new york city so I have this hard time with like looking at this New York City way and how I grew up, which is amazing. And I'm like, this is nuts. Like I went to preschool. My parents signed me up. I went and I was happy. Same with elementary school. Same with elementary. And he went and it was great. This is like, okay, but we're in New York City. I could deal with it. But when I was sitting there and with these parents, my child was two, wasn't talking, had obvious global delays. And they're talking to me and asking questions about curriculum. I'm like, curriculum? I just want them to learn how to color and glue. I, I really, and I don't know if that was me being different because of my upbringing, but it was a whole new thing that was open to me during these play sessions. And I just left feeling so bad about myself and so much more worried. And it's not a good thing. It really isn't. It's yeah. not, you know, it's it's horrible. Yeah, there's a lot of pressure to perform. And, a lot. you know, it's like, oh, my kid is still learning the ABC, so don't worry, he, he'll get it before they start Yes. School. It's like, that's not a Like, I still us. mess up LMNOP. Yeah, like, I Right, like, in order to figure things out alphabetically, I'm singing that, like, you gotta... You gotta, and it's New York, and it reminded me of being in college in sorority rush, I swear to you, and I was like, and I, like, went home, and I said to my husband, I was like, I was on, I was rushing again, it was crazy. Yeah. But it is, it's funny, and Andy, you'll understand it. So if anyone is about to go through this process and everything, I had to do it once with my son, who, again, has his stuff, and then I have this beautiful, typical daughter, and I had to do it again for her, and Andy, actually, you were her teacher, mm -hmm. yep. and doing that play session and doing my son's was completely different, and I sat in that play, I can't even say a play <laughs> session with you, and I just sat in the back, and I was just chilling, and it was like, because my daughter was that child that I used to watch with my sons and want that because it looks so easy. But then my heart, and I went home, and I told my husband, there was one child in the play session with my daughter, and I saw the parents, and they were me two years before. And, and not saying that they were anything like my son, but I could see they were so stressed and knew that their child may not be as advanced as my daughter. And I started talking to them just to be like, hey, and make them comfortable because I was that person in the corner in a chair. And it's a horrible feeling. So everybody, if you do this a few times, be human, be kind. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's an important thing because parents come in and, you know, us as the educators running the play sessions, yeah. we're not there to really mingle with the parents. Right. We're there to play with the children. And I, I'm wondering, 
would it have been, you know, a little less stressful for you as a parent if there was someone there to really just be there for the parents and not, yeah. you know, kind of not distract you guys, but give you a peace of mind that, hey, you're all new here. You're all coming in doing the exact mm-hmm. same thing, whether it's your first child or your 20th child, whatever right. it is. Right. They're all different. Right. Every right. child is different no matter what. And yeah, I think that might have been a little bit easier for parents. I think that parents should even be in the room. Oh, no. I think that makes it worse. I think that parents should wait in the lobby. And again, every school does it the same way. And I get it. They want your child. Because some kids have a harder time with separating. Right, but then also, like, that's typical behavior for a child. Yeah. Right. Like, we wouldn't make a child sit there and be miserable. It's, <laughs> like, yeah. there's no... No. But I think it's it also just the pressure at such a young age to try and figure out what type of learner your child yes. is and to get them into the right program. And I mean, now, like... Parents are thinking about preschool before they even get pregnant. Yes. And it's like the pressure yeah. on these parents, like mm-hmm. let alone the child. Like they're just, you know, they're two. They're going to go play. Mm-hmm. Like they have a good time. They don't. But for a parent to sit there and feel like they are being judged on how they have parented their child because. It's terrible. It, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so many times during a play session where a parent, the child doesn't want to do a puzzle and the parent comes up to me and they're like, oh, we don't do puzzles at home. Is that okay? And I'm like. It's, right. It's, it's fine. fine. And I witnessed it. Right. Because it's. Yeah. it's it's literally remind me of sorority rush or an audition and it's very yes and and I mean I wasn't even I was like a shell of myself at my at my um at my son's because of that but I saw parents doing that and I'm like oh it's terrible yeah it's not a fun <laughs> experience for no. most people I think and I think if you're a second time parent it's a little less stressful yeah but I think to some degree you're still stressed because you don't know you don't right? know it's, it's an unpredictable environment because it might be your child's first time in that environment. There's a lot of factors. Yeah. There's a lot. A lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting New York City preschool, man. Yeah. It's an interesting thing. And I've had parents come in and their child sleeps with the whole play session. And then that worries them, too. Oh. Like, it's your child's nap. They're like, should I wake them up? Oh, yeah. No, the times no, are horrible. No. Always horrible the times. All of the, the, one of them actually was another school. They decided to do like a Saturday during nap time. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> Why? Yeah, it was bad. No, no. New York. Yeah. It's New York. Fun times. Uh-huh. So, right or now. Um, so he's about to turn, he's five and a half. Yeah. What services is he receiving now? DOE or private? Both. <laughs> Both. Um, speech, um, OT. And see it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. How long? So speech he's been receiving for years. Since he was two. Since he was two. What about the OT and? So, that's a whole other. <laughs> um, speech, yes. That's our private. Um, but Ryder, um, he, uh, with early intervention, he was given um, speech and OT. Um, and then we phased out to CPSC. Mm-hmm. So then he gained see it. Um, which... That's the game changer with him. So he, he has a see it. We have 16 hours fought for that tooth and nail. Um, our see it kind of, so she is a special, uh, you know, educator with him and she helps facilitate. She also is knowledgeable with ABA and trials and just kind of getting immersed in with his peers. That therapy has been amazing. And she also, she's been with Ryder now for two years. She's become like family and it's, it's my best advice to anyone that needs this you have to mesh um ot that's been a struggle so when he started with ot we he needed the ot for more of the regulation portion and um kind of getting control of his body and his core 
he couldn't really do a lot of things there. Now it's kind of moved into more fine motor. Um, he still has a weak core, which I'm learning because through COVID I've become the OT and I've done virtual. <laughs> um, he needs that. That it's a challenge. Um, it's a challenge. And then speech, he gets three times a week for 45 minutes. And that's just like consistent no matter what. So he needs all of those. Yeah. He's a lot of hours. And the, and the truly the challenge is now that he's gotten older and he's in school full time. like, where are the hours to do this? And there's just not. It's a long day. It's a long day. Well, the, the seat's with him at school. Right. She's there. Um, so like every day from like morning to like noon and then he's alone. And then I do speech right after for three days and the OT that's been the biggest challenge. Um, cause during COVID I wouldn't bring him to the gym. Yeah. But now it's very hard for me because with my daughter's schedule, my son's schedule, I'm schlepping back and forth eight times a day and to get him there. It's a challenge. There's nothing easy about it. And he really needs it. What got you through the first year and that summer knowing that you did not have a seat that worked well for yourself? Horrible. It was horrible, and I just was so – it's like I don't even want to remember, like, this time. It was just – I was scared, and I knew – I just kind of, like, hit the ground. I just, like, pounded the pavement almost, like – I like it like took me back to when I moved here out of college and, like, pounded the pavement, like, to get in and start my, like, job and career and, like, what you have to be. I'm like, this is my new job, and this is what I'm going to do, and I just did that all day long. I mean, I'm lucky. I was a stay-at-home mom. My husband was at work, but – it was a lot. I had at the time I had a new baby. I had this and I just had to find someone and I just knew. And I, I think through all of this, I tried networking. You have to really network and meet people and kind of open up to saying, you know, what? I have a special needs child. There's so many people with this. Start networking, start talking to people. Don't be ashamed. And it's a community. Fine. And that's kind of what I did. I was very stuck in my bubble for a while with all of my friends with what I thought my child would be. And then I had to take a step back and be like, okay, he's not. And I have to have this other life and do this. And it really helped. And I got a great agency and that's kind of what I did. And it's funny, the people that I then met and got my see it through, I still talk to her supervisor who's left and done other things. Like you just have to build a community and they, and, and if you can do that, it can really help. Um, is there anything else that you feel is important to share with parents who might be going through a similar journey? Oh. <laughs> um let's see first and foremost the listen it's with autism it's called spectrum for a reason and I remember Dr. Basis looked at me and I was just shocked and he said give me the definition of spectrum and he took his arms and raised them like like this he said they're here and it's there and it's not one way it's the same way children are all different this diagnosis, there isn't a blood test for it. You can't say this is what it is. You know, you take all the symptoms and you throw them in a bucket. And if you put it in a bucket, this is what it comes out with, right? You may have challenges, you may not, but there's way to over, there's ways to overcome it. You have to just keep trying. Don't get focused on, you can't get focused on the future. You have to kind of stay in the moment because that will drive you crazy and scare you. Yeah. My husband and I could sit there sometimes, like, will he one day have a family? Will he one day, you know, my new thing is, will he go out of preschool and have friends? Are people going to be mean to him? And then I take a step back and I'm like, you know what? My typical daughter might have challenges right here. Like, stop. It's not always a spectrum thing. So don't get focused on that autism. And, you know, only start discussing it when you're ready. It's no one's business, you know. Um, 
I was asked, you know, what did the pediatrician say? I said, well, he said just to keep on doing what we're doing. We're doing a good job. I said, yes, it's there. It's supposed to help you. But it's no one's business if you're uncomfortable. Just don't let that, if you get that diagnosis, define him, her, you, anything. It'll it'll drive you crazy. It's sad. It's sad because you you don't want your child up challenge ever. You, you want to protect your children for life, you know. Um, but yeah, and that's my really that's like the best best advice I could give. Is as much as it hurts, you, and you will be better than that day you find out. I'm a much different person today than I was that day. I was like, what's going on? I can't believe this. And you see progress, God willing. And, um, you know, you got to just like stick with it and, and know in your gut, like what to do, but it's, it's challenging road. It's never going to be easy. I will say that, you know, it's, it's hard all the time, but yeah. And, and don't be, and don't be ever feel ashamed. And that's, it's a bad feeling as a new parent. It's very isolating. Don't let, don't let it be that way. With the state, it's New York's not easy. It's a lot of, you know, um, it's, you got to fight. You have to fight. You have to take the lead. Got to fight. You have to become your child's advocate. You're the voice and you know, it's just, you know, this is going to be your most important role of your life. And it really, it's, and you're going to hit walls and it's hard. And listen, you know, I'm with, and, and sometimes like I've had some hard days. Like I'll take my son over to our friends and the kids are doing things and I have to push him and like, you might go home and like have tears and, you know, just surround yourself by people that could support you and could fight for you and could, and always be open to listen because, you know, knowledge is power and like you have to always learn and, and then, you know, you can pay it forward. Thank you again for coming on. It's been incredible watching him grow from his twos to now. I mean, we saw him recently and, the language, and yeah. I mean, he's just the sweetest. He's, so sweet. he's a sweet boy. I mean, he's really cute too, but he's <laughs> just so sweet. He is, and you know, it's but like you can't, and I and and his speech therapist always says like you can't like make a child sweet. Like a no. lot of like typical mm-hmm. children is not sweet. He's such a good boy, and he's such a happy boy, and has such a sweet boy, and it's so upsetting because I'm like, you don't deserve these he's challenges. Also so easy going. He's so, he's easy so going. like down for like right? anything. <laughs> okay. 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 Like, and like happy about it. He's yeah. like, yeah. He was so happy this morning. Like I, my daughter wouldn't go to potty before we left. And I was like, you have to go. You're going to wet your pants at camp. And I said to my son, go to the bathroom. Okay. And he just went. And, but that's a beautiful thing because he had no, he wouldn't even understood. Yeah. I was able to potty train this kid. I was able to, I can tell him to do things now. That is like, when I do that, I'm like, wow, we got this. We are going to keep going up and up. Yes. So, and don't ever get, don't ever get scared if you see a plateau because all kids plateau. Oh, all yeah. of them do. Yeah. Special needs or not. I feel like I'm on one myself right, right? now. Right? <laughs> Everybody like, well, it does. It doesn't change in the Right. Yeah. Just keep at it. And, um, you know, just get ready. It's a fight. I'm not going to lie. It's, believe me, I'm not trying to say that this is all like puppies and rainbows because it's not at all. It's, it's tough on families. It's tough on everything. But, you know, it's just the cards you were dealt. You gotta like keep doing. It. Yeah. yeah. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Welcome. <laughs> and I love you guys. Well, thank <laughs> you. Too.